All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Luke chapter 5 is where I'll land in a few minutes. It's going to take me a little bit to get there and set this up. Um, this is week number two of our series called Flawed, and we are um, looking at stories in the, in, um, the life of Peter um, in the Bible and seeing how those kind of apply to our lives and kind of kind of just looking at what Peter did and kind of paralleling that to, to our lives. And I told you last week, if you ever feel like you just fail over and over and over again and you feel like, man, there's no way God can use me. There's no way that I can do anything or accomplish anything big for the kingdom of God. You just simply got to look at Peter because Peter screwed up bad. Peter, honestly, Peter was an idiot. He, he was. And Peter said some things and did some things. And you're just like, what? Like, God, why? Why Peter? And, and Peter cho- or God chose Peter and, and used Peter for amazing things. Let, let me kind of set this message up like this. Let me tell you where I'm going today. I didn't want to preach this message in this series. Um, I kind of had it a while ago, and I thought it'd be a message, it'd be a really good standalone message in between series um, in the summertime. And I kept diving into the story of Peter and going through these things. And then last week, I'm kicking off the, 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 um, the series with the passage that I did. This passage happens immediately after what we talked about last week. And, and I just couldn't get past the idea and the feeling that, like, it really needed to be included here. Again, because Peter, like, when you really think about Peter, he saw Jesus do some amazing things. Like, Jesus included Peter in some awesome stuff. Peter, Peter got to do some things that none of us will ever get to do. Peter was one of Jesus' main boys. Like, you know, there were the 12, and, and those guys were super tight. And then, depending on which way you read, there was either seven or five, which is like the next group down. But then there was a three. And, and Peter was one of the, the main three guys that Jesus hung out with the most. Peter was right next to Jesus. Um, Jesus a- allowed Peter to, to walk on water and allowed Peter to be at the Mount of Transfiguration and allowed Peter to do these, these huge things that nobody else got to do. And, and, and Peter, Peter stood next to Jesus and watched all these things happen and experienced all this stuff, yet continually fell and continually failed and continually messed up. And I wonder how many of us can say that we do the exact same thing. That we have this experience with Jesus and we, we find this, 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 this great mountaintop experience or we, we have this, 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 this thing that we would consider miracles in our lives and, and we're all super excited about what Jesus is doing and then we walk away. And two or three weeks later, we're, we're just back to the way that we were. We, we just forget. We forget what it was like and I, and I feel like that's how Peter was. And, and despite Peter's many flaws, and there were a lot of them, Jesus used him to accomplish some pretty amazing things. And so last week, I told you about how Jesus showed up at Peter's house and healed Peter's mother-in-law. And people got excited. And people started running out into the community and getting sick people and bringing them back to the house. And the Bible says that Jesus, whatever they came in with, Jesus healed them. And and I started thinking about that. And as I studied through that more and more, I was reminded of this verse. It's in Hebrews chapter 13. It's verse 8. that says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, right now, and for the rest of eternity. And, and I don't want to freak anybody out, but I'm just saying I believe that that verse is true. 
I do. With all of my heart, I believe that that verse is true. And if that verse is true, and we saw last week that Jesus healed people, then logically we can say if Jesus healed people in the New Testament, he can heal people today. Yes or no? All right, some of you aren't with me, right? I mean, just, just logically. I mean, just, just on the black and white surface. If he did it then, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever, he can do it now. Yes or no? Yeah. If he's the same yesterday, today, forever, that we could still experience the supernatural in today's world, just like they did in the scriptures. And so I want to talk about that today. Because last week, Jesus showed up, and Jesus told Peter, after they had met a few times, remember I took you through three times where they had met, and on the last time, he says, follow me. And remember, they caught this humongous catch of fish, and Peter was blown away, and Peter said, go away from me, Lord, for I am sinful. In other words, I'm not good enough to follow you. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. None of you are, but, but come and follow me anyway. Well, that's where we're going to pick up the story, the exact spot we left off last week. But before we get to Luke chapter 5, we got to go through everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus. Let me go ahead and acknowledge, all right, I'll just, as the pastor, I will tell you, Leviticus is confusing. Like, I get it. It's weird, like you start reading the Bible at the beginning, a lot of people said, where should I start reading the Bible? Um, John, start reading in John, that's where you should start reading. But other people are like, ah, I'm going to start in Revelation, I'm going to start in Genesis. Listen, that, start where you want, I'm telling you start in John. If you start in Genesis, you're going to like it. It's exciting. There's some cool stuff in Genesis. You got the rainbow, the flood. You've got David. I mean, you got some cool stuff. You get to Exodus. It's pretty cool. Burning bush. People let out the plagues, all that other stuff. You get to Leviticus and nightmares start coming. Like they start killing goats and all kinds. You're just like, what is, what is going on? It's, it's crazy. But I want to show you something out of Leviticus that ties into where we're going today um, in Luke. But it really ties into our life today. Luke chapter 13, or Leviticus chapter 13, has to do with skin rashes and baldness. So I'm speaking to you right now, man. Pay attention. This is Jesus saying, I'm just, just, I'm just saying, I don't know. Leviticus 13, 45. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease. So you got skin disease and you've got serious skin disease. Let me describe the difference. If it's you, it's a skin disease. If it's me, it's a serious skin disease, right? And now you, well, now we all feel like it happened to me. Ah! Now, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, the most serious type of skin disease you could have was leprosy. Leprosy was the most serious type of skin disease a person could have. Leprosy is where your flesh literally rotted off of your body. Your arm would fall off. Half your face would fall off. Like skin would just hang off of your body. It was nasty. It was disgusting. We got a picture of it right here. Check this out. Just kidding. We don't, we don't have it. Don't Google it either because it's gross. I did Google it because I thought maybe we could put a picture up. No, it's, it's bad. Listen, when you had leprosy, you were literally a walking dead person. It's the most serious skin disease that anybody could have. And so watch this. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease, leprosy, must tear their clothing. Tearing your clothing was a sign of remorse. It was like, I'm sad. I can't believe this is happening to me. And this is this. Tear their clothing and leave their hair 
uncombed. And another translation says, leave their face uncovered. So you couldn't hide, couldn't hide your face. Because a lot of times, when we're ashamed, don't, we want to hide our face, right? I mean, think about that. When you do something shameful, when you, when you feel shame, you just want to put your head down, you don't want anybody to see you, that, that's what, that's what we do. So you can't hide your face. And then it says this, they must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. So, so you had to announce to people that you were unclean as you were walking down the road. Not today, because of social media, other people will tell other people how unclean you are. But back in the day, they didn't have social media, so they had to announce they were unclean. Can you imagine this being your life? Like, seriously, everywhere you went, you had to yell out your condition. Everywhere you went, you had to tell people, unclean! And the reason you had to say it is because when people heard that you were unclean, when you started announcing that you were unclean, they ran from you because leprosy was contagious. You could catch what they had, and you didn't want to get near a leper. It gets even worse, verse 46. As long as the serious disease lasts, there was no cure for leprosy. There was no cure. Once you had it, it literally defined you for the rest of your life. Don't miss that. Once you had it, it defines you for the rest of your life. Watch this. They must live in isolation in their place. In other words, they go there, we stay here. They go over there, we stay here. They must live in isolation in their place outside of the camp. Now, what you've got here is death on three levels. First of all, there's physical death. All right, If you had leprosy, you were going to die. There was nothing you could do about it. There's zero hope. When you had leprosy, it was a hopeless situation. There's no cure. Nothing can be done for you. Physical death. The second kind of death was emotional death. Because you had to live in isolation. In seclusion. You couldn't be around anyone. And many of us know what this is like. I mean, you just think back to COVID lockdowns. How hard was it to live in isolation? I'm going to go ahead and go on the record here. I'm going to say this. I don't care if anybody gets mad or not. I think locking the country down for a year was one of the worst decisions that could have ever been made. And, and the reason why, listen, I'm not being political. I know there was a pandemic. I get it. But do you know how much opioid addiction increased during that time? Do you know how much suicide increased during that time? Listen to me. We were not created to live in isolation. We were not created to live alone. We were not created to do life alone. We weren't. And so emotional death. Can you imagine having a disease where you had to be alone for the rest of your life because nobody wanted to get near you? Then there's spiritual death. Spiritual death. Because you're ceremonially unclean. In other words, you couldn't go to the temple. If you couldn't go to the temple, you couldn't be prayed for. And if you couldn't be prayed for, you couldn't have your sins atoned for. You were literally damned to hell if you were a leper. Leprosy is the condition nobody wanted. Leprosy was awful. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Luke. Because here's what's, what fascinates me about Peter following Jesus. Have you ever, I might be the only person that's ever wondered this, but maybe you're like me. Have you ever wondered what's the first thing that Jesus did with Peter? Like, like Peter, Peter's the guy that Jesus was going to look at after Peter declared that he was the Messiah. And Jesus was going to say, upon that statement right there, I'm going to build my church. What you just said, upon that, I'm going to, I mean, he, Peter, he did amazing things with Peter. And so maybe when Jesus got with Peter, he had to, he had to get him fixed right away. And so he had to put him in theology class. 
right? Because his theology is all messed up. And if, if he's gonna, if he's gonna understand Jesus the Messiah, and he's gonna know all this stuff, you gotta get his theology right. Well, no, that's not what he did. Maybe, maybe Jesus put Peter in anger management class because Peter had some problems. Peter was a cusser. Uh, Peter, like, I mean, Peter was like a cusser, cusser. He's a fisherman, and he just had a bad cussing problem. And he had anger problems. He tried to slice a guy's ear off one time. So probably going to need to get that taken care of. Like, you can't have somebody leading the church that, you know, got anger issues and all of that. Nope. Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus led him into a situation that I don't think he ever forgot. And this happened. This, this part of the story happens immediately after Jesus looks at Peter and says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. This is the first thing that Jesus led Peter into. This is the first experience that Peter had fishing for people. I love this. We're going to pick it up. Luke chapter 5 verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Now I love how Luke, Luke's a doctor. And so Luke wants us to know this dude didn't just have leprosy. He had what? advanced case of leprosy. So he's in bad shape. This is, this is horrible. And don't miss this. This is Peter stepping into ministry. Here's one of the things you need to know about being in ministry. In ministry, you're always going to step into uncomfortable situations. We literally could do a reality show called Following Pastor Ryan. Just put a camera on me. I'm telling you, it is fascinating and scary. I, I remember one time... Um, it is a different church. It was a Sunday morning. A guy had his arm in a sling, had a bandage on his face, and he was limping really bad. And I went up to him. I'm like, hey, man, what happened? I, I knew he, he rode motorcycles. I'm like, hey, man, what happened? Did you put the bike down? He said, nah, wasn't that. I said, what'd you do? He looked right at me in church on a Sunday morning and said, I got shot. You got what? I got shot. I was like, somebody shot you? He's like, Yeah. I got shot in the arm. I got shot in the leg. Bullet grazed my face. I said, when did this happen? He said, last night. I said, last night? Somebody shot you last night. You were in a shootout last night. He said, yep. I said, somebody tried to break into your house? He looked right at me. He said, nah, it's over a woman. I was like, that'll make you shoot somebody, I guess. But I remember walking away. From, I walked away. I, I walked away quickly because I thought, number one, somebody might come back and try to finish the job. I don't want to be nowhere near this dude. But I got away, and I remember walking away thinking, thank God that dude feels like he can come to church. Like, I'm super thankful that the dude who was in the shootout the night before came to church the next day. I think one of the problems that we have in the church, especially in modern-day America, is there are too many people that believe they can't walk into the doors because they're too ashamed that they think they have an advanced case of something. But, but think about this. Here's a guy with an advanced case of leprosy. An advanced case of leprosy. You know what the toughest thing about leprosy was? It was the fact that people labeled you. They labeled you and, and told you that not just that's who you are, but that's who you're going to be for the rest of your life. And I would imagine there are people in this room that you've let people label you at some point. You've let them label you addict. You've let them label you depressed. You've let them label you anxious. You've let them label you divorced. You've let them label you troublemaker. You've let them label you whatever. And that label defines you rather than Jesus defining you. And what's happened is that label that somebody has placed on you, we haven't dealt with it, and it's become advanced. Can you imagine Peter? Can you imagine Peter? He's walking with Jesus. 
He's all excited because of what's just happened. His life has literally changed. He's walking with the Messiah. They're going into ministry. I'm going to be a fisher of people. Man, this is exciting. And off in the distance, you hear, unclean, unclean. He looks at Jesus. He's like, Jesus, we need to go, man. That's Larry the leper screaming over there. I know Larry. Larry's been around for a while, man. Larry has got leprosy bad. I don't know what he wants, but Jesus, he's a leper. Jesus, we got to go. And Jesus kind of smiles and not, I'm making this up right now. Just let me read the Bible the way I read the Bible. And Jesus kind of smiles and nods. And Peter's like, Jesus, we got to go. Unclean, unclean. And it just keeps getting closer and closer and louder. And Jesus is looking at Peter, and Peter's looking at Jesus, and Peter's begging Jesus, let's just get out of here. We can't be around this. And all of a sudden, Jesus and Peter are face to face with a man in a hopeless situation. And I'd be willing to bet there are people in this room, people watching online, that there are people you feel like you're in a hopeless situation. Physically, You've been told. You've been diagnosed. This is the way that it is. This is the way that it's always going to be. Emotionally, you've been told. This is the way it is. You're always going to be depressed. This is the way it is. You're always going to be an addict. This is the way it is. You're always going to be anxious for the rest of your life. You've been told that's who you are, and that's who you're going to be. Spiritually, you feel hopeless. Because at one point, I mean, maybe a month ago, Maybe a few months ago, maybe a few years ago, you were a lot closer to Jesus than you are right now. And something happened, and the distance grew, and somebody labeled you and said, that's who you are, and that's who you're always going to be. And today, you find yourself in a seemingly hopeless situation. And I want you to see this story, in this story, the leper. I love the leper, because while he could not go into the temple, because the temple represented religion, and in that time period, if, if you weren't perfect in the religious system, they, they kicked you out. But the people who were not welcome in the temple, and I say this all the time because it's, it's, such a, it's such an awesome thing. The people who weren't welcome in the temple, the people who weren't welcome in church, were always welcomed by Jesus. Always. And so watch what happens here. Watch what happens when this man approaches Jesus. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, let me, let me set this up like this. Let me ask a quick question. It's okay to be honest. My, my hand will be up. All right? I'm just going ahead and let you know this is a confession time for me. So you can feel the freedom to confess in this place too. How many of you have ever made a deal with God in your prayer time? Get your hands up. Come on. Come on. Own it. Everyone. God, if you do this. I will do this, right? For some of us, it's a Friday or Saturday night prayer. God, if you just get me sober, I swear I'll never drink again. And, and, and you did, but in that moment, you meant it, right? It's like, God, if you just let me pass this test that I did not study for, if you just send your angels from heaven to fill this thing out for you, I promise. We've made so many promises to God. I did it the last time I bought a lottery ticket. I did. I told God, if you let me win the lottery, I'll take half the money and give it where? To the church, some of you did the same thing. I don't know why he ain't blessing us, but maybe because you ain't honest. That's why. I don't, I don't know. God, if you do this for me, right? God, if you do this for me, then God, I won't do X, Y, and Z. God, if you do this, if you allow this 
to happen. We make deals with God, and I think we do it sometimes because we feel like we can offer him something back. But what are you going to give God that he doesn't already have? Seriously. But I love the approach of the leper, and there's a big lesson in here for us. I want you to notice the approach of the leper. It absolutely blew me away when I saw this, and it really has spoke to me all week long. First thing the leper does when he sees Jesus is he bows his face to the ground. The first thing he says, the first word, not the first words, but the first word that comes out of his mouth. Look at this. Let's say it together on three. One, two, three. Lord. 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 Don't miss this. This is huge. This is so cool. The leper is basically saying, I want to get this out of the way before I even ask for anything. Before I even say one other thing, before I even acknowledge why I'm standing in front of you, I want to let you know your Lord. I'm going to ask you for healing, but whether or not you heal me, your Lord. You are Lord. If I walk away from this cleansed, your Lord. If I walk away from this and still have leprosy, your Lord. He didn't say, if you heal me, I will call you Lord. He said, you are Lord. That's how he started. And I wonder what could happen in our lives if we quit telling God, God, if you give me this, and you give me this, and you allow this to happen, and you allow that to happen, and you give me this, I'll call you Lord. Because God's not saying, oh my gosh, let's make sure that we get down there and give him exactly what he wants because I need, no. What if we just walked in with the approach of Jesus? You are Lord, period. If you heal my cancer, you are Lord. But if you take me home with cancer, you are Lord. If you heal my depression, you are Lord. But if you want me to stay like this, you are Lord. Whatever you decide, whatever direction you want to take me in, I want to go ahead and say, you are Lord. What kind of faith does it take for an unnamed man to step into a situation and declare Jesus as Lord? I'm sure this affected Peter. Because then this man said this, Lord, if you are what? If you are willing. In other words, if you want, if you want to. If you want to, you can heal me and you can make me clean. I'm going to go ahead and say there wasn't a doubt in his mind. I'm going to say that he, was, he, he had heard what had just happened in, in, at Peter's house and he was excited and he gets over there and he's just like, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me. And make me clean. That's that's that man's prayer. That's a prayer that takes less than five seconds. See, a lot of times we complicate things. We've got to get prayer and agreement. We've got to have all these people together. We've got to get in a circle. We've got to lay hands. No, 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 no. Right here. This is prayer. Right here. You know what, Lord? You can heal me and make me clean. And then watch what happens. Jesus reached out and touched him. This is crazy. Because this man had an advanced case of leprosy. He's nasty. He's gross. If you're like me, there there are things in your life that are gross. You just don't touch it. You don't. Like when a man walks out of the bathroom and you don't know if he done washed his hands or not, he wants to shake your hand. Nah, uh uh-uh. No. By the way, most men don't. I'm just telling you right now, they they don't. After this service, if you go in the bathroom, they'll all be washing their hands because they want to prove me wrong, but they just usually don't. There are some things that we don't want to touch, yes or no? We don't touch them because they're gross, they're sick, they're nasty. Here's a man with leprosy, not just leprosy, but what? 
advanced case of leprosy. And Jesus is standing there. The man falls on his face and he said, Lord, if you are willing. And he doesn't ask Jesus to touch him. I don't even think it crossed his mind. You know why? Because people had been avoiding him for years. People had been running from him for years. The thing he needed most was a healing. But I bet if we were to sit and ask him, what do you want the most? He probably would have said, just a hug. Just a, just a touch. Nobody's touched me in years. See, here's the cool thing about Jesus. When we begin seeking him, he begins to do things that we would never even have asked for. And usually the reason we don't ask for them is because it never crossed our mind that he would ever be that good to us. See, did Jesus have to touch him, yes or no? Say no. Did Jesus have to touch him, yes or no? No. Jesus could have just said, be healed! And the guy would have been healed, right? But Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, according to Levitical law, Jesus became unclean when he touched the man. But Jesus was not afraid to be labeled unclean by the people that had labeled the lepers. Let me just pause and say this, because it's in the text, so I need to address it. I always want this to be a place where modern-day lepers can show up and know that they're welcome. Not because we say, hey, good to see you, but because we give them a hug. A place where instead of saying, no, you shouldn't be here, you don't belong here, we say welcome home. Because that's the kind of place I believe Jesus wants us to be. Amen? Jesus reached out and touched him. And for the person here today, and you're like, oh, Ryan, you don't, I mean, come on, man. I'm, I'm not sure Jesus can handle my situation. You're wrong. Not only can he handle your situation, but he can do more than you ever even imagined. Can you imagine Peter? All his life. He's been told to avoid these people. He's watching Jesus touch the leper, and he's like, oh, no, no, Jesus, no. And then this happens. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. That's crazy. I can't even, this would be cool to see, honestly, wouldn't it? I mean, think about it, skin falling off, like just, just hanging there, and all of a sudden just... And just made normal, like that, would that be sweet to see, yes or no? Yeah, that would be cool. It would freak us out. I'd probably run away from it, but it would be cool. This whole interaction took less than three minutes. Unnamed leper who went ahead and decided to tell Jesus, your Lord, whether you heal me or not, he doesn't just get healed, he gets touched, and Peter's blown away by this. Now, I said all of that to say this. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus still heals people today. Now, let me walk you through three, three things really quickly in regards to Jesus' healing. Number one, Jesus can heal instantly. He, he can. I've seen it. I, I've seen Jesus heal instantly. I have. Now, I wish I had the gift of healing, because if I did, I would go to the hospitals and just clear them out. You get a healing. You get a healing. You get a healing. Y'all get a healing. I, I wish I could do that, but I don't have that. And for people who say they do have that, you need to have your butt in the hospital all the time doing that. You, you just do. I've prayed for people, and they've been healed. I've prayed for people, and something else happened. I'll tell you this story very quickly. Some of you know it before. That's why I'll tell it as quick as I can. Um, when Mary and I were dating, her grandma got sick 
um, really sick, ended up in the hospital, and ended up on life support. We got called to the hospital and said that um, we were to come and say our, our goodbyes. And so we went into the hospital. I was not, <laughs> I was not a welcome addition to that family. Um, they did not like the fact that um, I was going to get out of my construction business and I was going to be a pastor and they had bad pastor experiences or church experiences or whatever. And so they did not like me um, at all. And so we were standing in this room saying goodbye and one by one, people started to walk out. Now, I know that this is the, a God thing, um, but at the time, it was one of those things where I could say, I don't really know what was happening, but I couldn't move. I stayed. I wanted to get out. I wanted to get out so bad, and people were leaving, and I just couldn't leave. And eventually, it's just me and her grandpa sitting by this bedside, and God said, you need to pray for this lady, just over and over. And I'm, pray for her. I'm like, I don't want to. Pray for her. Pray for her. And I walked up, and this is exactly what I said. Her name is Betty. I walked right up to her and I said, Betty, you're about to die and go to hell. That's what I said. And I shared the gospel with her. And I prayed for her. And I prayed, God's will be done. Well, we went home and I walked out. Everybody was asking, what did you pray? What did you like, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I prayed God's will be done. I'm just kind of what, whatever. And uh, I meant every word of the prayer that I prayed. Like, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not, I'm just telling the story fast. So I hope it's not like I'm just blowing it off. We go home, get a call the next morning. You need to get to the hospital right away. Why? What happened? Betty's awake and she's asking for Ryan. <laughs> like, what the heck she want with Ryan? <laughs> like, how's she awake? And so I go there and she wants a Bible. And um, it's, it's, an, it's an absolutely amazing story. Um, I'd love to share the whole thing with you sometime. Um, it's an amazing story. People in the family got saved because of that instance, and especially Mary's mom. Well, a year later, um, she died from natural causes, and six months after that, Mary's mom um, was in a critical car accident, and a couple months after the car accident, we were in the exact same situation where we're standing in the room while Carol, that's her name, Carol was on life support, we're going to turn off the machines, and somebody looked at me and said, you need to pray the prayer. At this point, Mary and I were married. I loved Carol. She was, she was an amazing woman. And I prayed. I prayed with all of my heart, all of my soul, that God would heal her. That God would, that, that the same thing would happen. That we would experience another miracle. Well, we turned off the machines. And two minutes later, she died. So I've seen it. I've seen it both ways. Prayed for people and they've been healed. I've prayed for people and something else happened. And some people here today, you need to understand that Jesus can heal you instantly. Number two, Jesus heals gradually. So some people, you need to understand, Jesus can heal you gradually. And I don't say that as a cop-out. I say that as somebody, listen, I have wrestled with anxiety and depression for years. For most of you, I don't, I don't have to go into my story, but seven years ago, something happened in my life that completely rocked my life, just wrecked me, absolutely wrecked me, changed the inner workings and composite whatever of, of me and who and who I am. And and I began to pray to God to heal me. I begged God to get me out of that place. I begged God to heal me of depression and anxiety. I'd wake up the next day and still have it. And I would pray and I would beg God, heal me of this. Take this away. Get this darkness away from me. Please, God, please. I'd wake up the next day and still have it. And I'd wake up the next day and still have it. And I'd wake up the next day and still have it. And here I am seven years later. I haven't had a panic attack in months. I haven't had a thought of taking my own life in years. When did God help me? 
I don't know. It just happened. Somebody asked me the other day, my, my counselor asked me the other day, how are you, how are you doing today? I said, you know what? I, I haven't felt better in years. Maybe I haven't felt better in my entire life. And, and listen, don't, don't miss this. It's, it's, if I would ask Jesus to do it, and he would have done it immediately, then maybe I wouldn't have stayed as connected as I've had to stay. Maybe he would have done it, and maybe I would have went in a totally different direction. But I've stayed connected. Sometimes he doesn't heal us immediately. Don't miss this. But gradually, because he wants us to stay connected to him through the process. And so if he doesn't heal you immediately today, maybe he's going to heal you gradually. And that's not me trying to defend his reputation. He does not need Pastor Ryan to defend his reputation. I just know what he's done in my life over the past several years. He has healed me. And if he can heal me, he can heal you. The third option is he doesn't heal at all. Doesn't heal at all. And the reason why is because he's got a better plan. Listen, he's going to use whatever it is for his glory and your joy somehow. I don't know how. I wish I could explain it to you. I can't because he's God and I'm not. But I know Peter was impacted by this because watch how this ends. Verse 14, then Jesus instructed him, the man with leprosy, instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. I imagine Peter was blown away by this entire thing. You just did that and you're telling him not to go say it. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I guarantee this is something that Peter thought about over and over and over again. Because Peter, he goes on to write a couple books in the New Testament. And one of the phrases that he wrote is a, a phrase that he took out of Isaiah and he put it into, into, into one of his letters. And I believe it went all the way back to this experience with the leper. That started there with that. And he's reminded of what happened on the cross. And he writes this. 1 Peter 2.24, it's the second half. By his wounds, you are healed. By his wounds, you are healed. Don't miss that. Not by our works, but by his what? His wounds. We don't work for it. We receive it. We don't demand it. We ask for it. And the man who wanted to run away from the leper is the, and the man who eventually wrote the words, by his wounds, you might be healed. By his wounds, you could be healed. Uh-uh. By his wounds, you are healed. This is how I'm going to finish today. Uh, I was listening to some worship music this week, which is a strange thing for me because if you know anything about me, I don't, I don't listen to worship music. I, I, not, not a lot. Um, when I'm studying in my office, it's, it's Metallica. <laughs> or it's, I mean, that's just, this is what it is. It's like, Alexa, play Metallica radio. And every once in a while, Alexa, play worship music. You would listen to Divine Sound Radio by and whatever. And the other day, I'm listening to that, and this song came on. And it just, man, it just hit me. And I, and I listened to it over and over and over again. And it just stuck with me all week long. It's a song about the power of God, the power of healing. It's crazy how God work, works these things in while I'm, while I'm writing messages. But it, but it talks about the fact that God is too good to not believe. And so 
as we close today, I, I want us to, to reflect on this song. You can sing it if you, if you know it. Um, you can sit and just pray through it, listen to the words, understand it, feel it. But I want us to make a public declaration together as a church that we believe in the power of God to heal. Because if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and I believe that, that he is, and hopefully you do too, and if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he did it then, he can do it today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much today for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray for every single person in this room that needs healing today. Physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. God, we have seen too much to not believe. So, Father, as we reflect on these words, may we, may we sing them, may we listen to them, may we read them, knowing that you're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus, you are a God who heals. You're a God who saves. You're a God who is alive. You're a God who restores. You're a God that brings life to death. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you, who needs healing in this place? Do you need healing from something? Maybe you need healing from a label that's been put on you. I want to tell you something. When you start identifying as a child of God and not an addict, when you start identifying as a child of God, not somebody with depression, when you start identifying as a child of God, not somebody who is sick, he begins to change something in our hearts and in our minds. And so maybe today you may need to be delivered from the label that somebody who doesn't even love you has put on you. What do you need healing from? Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's spiritual. What healing needs to happen in your life today? What if Jesus were to tell you, I want to heal you from that label. I want to heal you from that sickness. I want to heal you from that depression. I want to heal you from that brokenness. I want to do something supernatural in your life. Would you be open to it? If you need somebody to pray with you, if you want prayer for healing, then during this song, I want you to go to the back corners of our sanctuary and, and I want you to pray with somebody. And I want you to fully believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it then, he can do it for you now. What's the miracle you need him to do in your life? Do you need disease to be healed? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it worries? Is it stress? Where do you need healing? Acknowledge him as Lord. And say, Lord, if you are willing, you can cleanse me and you can heal me. And watch him do things that you never could have possibly imagined. Jesus, move in this room in ways only you can through the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. I've lived stories after your faithfulness And I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend and There is beauty in what I can understand and Jesus, it's you and 
Right. 